Okay, so this is my first time back uh, speaking after being away at the Leadership Summit. I was privileged to bring a report of how we're getting on here in DCB, and we were so uh, encouraged by their response and just excitement about what's going on here. And we got to uh, tell some tales of the, the wonderful testimonies that are going on in our lives here. I appreciate that there's a lot of sickness around, and uh, we do not want that in our community, do we? So please be praying for those that you know are sick and just praying life into them and uh, let's not be given permission to anything to stay any longer than it should. Um, I used to go away whenever uh, I was away on any trips, uh, particularly when I was away to Phoenix and just want the life to be over there. But I have to say that I missed being here and it was just wonderful to come home. And I want to say a big thank you to everybody who took on any sort of role that meant that church could still happen or small groups could still happen. We're just so grateful for that. Um, also want to uh, say, and Mark's not even in here, but he gave his prophetic sense for 2018. So we had a year of opportunity, which was Andrew's. Mine was a year of reorientation, and then Mark's was a year of realignment. And I was listening to it, and he said in his own inimitable way, has your new worn off your new year yet? And I thought, oh, Mark, out of the park. Uh, so that was great. Keep those messages close. We do that deliberately at the start of the year so that it can give us a, a guide as to what the Lord's doing throughout the year. So just remember a year of opportunity, a year of reorientation, and a year of realignment. If you want to revisit any of those messages, if you want any of our notes, please ask, and certainly I can email them to you. But if you want to revisit the messages, they're up online, so you can certainly do that. And last week, Andrew was speaking of laying hold of your dominion. He sent me the, I, I'd asked him to speak because I wasn't feeling great. And I was glad that it did. And he sent me the text of the title and I read it and went, whoa, laying hold of your dominion. Kind of makes you just uh, stand up a bit. Did you benefit from the message last week? Yeah. Did you enjoy digging into it a little bit in your small group? We certainly did. It, by the end of it, I think we were all standing going, come on, particularly Alana, come on, you, you could do this. So I want to I wanna cover it a little bit because I want to tie it into a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. So he, he was talking about that we are the sons and daughters of God and that we have ground to take. Do you agree with that? I'm going to look for crowd participation today as we nod. It's a very Northern Irish response. For those of you listening online, they are agreeing. It's just nonverbal. So we are the sons and daughters of God, and we've got some ground that we either need to stand on or we need to take back. I would say that it's likely both. There's areas where we need to go, no, you're not taking that back from me, and there's areas we need to walk forwards and claim it to be our ground, which is a bit of a journey. Anybody else agree with that one? So we need to take ground and we need to stand ground. And the opposite of dominion, I, do you know when you're doing a small group and you haven't done the message, it's much more difficult because you've got to get your head into it. So I was spending a bit of time really trying to get some uh, personal ownership of what Andrew was speaking about so that I could lead this thing. And uh, I, I was thinking about, well, what's the opposite of dominion? And I think the opposite of dominion is intimidation. And intimidation, when you look it up, means to be, to be made timid, to be frightened, or to pull back. Dominion is about standing and taking ground and not giving back the ground. And intimidation then is just about carrying down. Do you remember we said that your destiny lies beyond your strongholds? And that what a stronghold does is it says, you sit there, you back off, you sit down, and you shut up. 
That's what intimidation does. Stop it. Sit down and shut up. Whereas dominion stands and says to that thing, you sit down, you back off, and you shut up. So always somebody is saying, sit down and shut up and back off. Now you need to decide which one you want to be. Whether you're the person being told to sit down, back down, and shut up, or whether you're the one doing that. So God says, this is what God said to Joshua, and we're going to get a handle on this for ourselves. Joshua 1, 3 to 6. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, because God said that, did that mean that that was going to happen for Joshua? No. It did not. That is the correct answer. Thank you. Joshua had to believe him. And we've got to do exactly the same. So you've got to decide whether you want to lay hold of your dominion or not. And that decision, people, is yours. So just to recap, where are you living intimidated? Where, if you were looking in your life, if somebody said, if you weren't afraid there, what would you do? If you can answer that question, then you're living in a life that has the influence of fear and fear is taking dominion over you rather you taking over it. So don't let this, don't go into the pool of, oh, this is awful. Oh, I'm never going to get anywhere. Stand up and just listen to this. Which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that's saying, no, you will not do that, and I will tell you where to go, and I'm going to take dominion? Or do you want to be the one on the receiving end of that? Second Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So anywhere where you're afraid, God has not given that to you. And because that's your reality, what you're experiencing, it doesn't mean that it has to be. If you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he has to flee. Now, he's a liar, so he'll lie to you and say, I'm not going anywhere. You'll never get out of this. You're stuck forever. If you believe that, that's what the fruit that you're going to eat. But the truth is, if you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he has to flee. Amen? Okay. Right, so here we are at the cusp of a new message series, putting off and putting on. You can barely see it because of the sunlight. I lifted the shutters because I thought that would be great. And now I can see you all going, it hurts, it hurts. If you're uncomfortable, if you want to move, please feel free to do that. Andrew's going to go and bring the shutters down now for us anyway. So this is a new series called Putting Off and Putting On. It's a series, really, which is about discipleship. We want to look at what we clothe ourselves in spiritually. And our key Bible verses for the series, you can get your, your Bible to it. Now, we're not going to read it for a few minutes. But it's Ephesians four seventeen um, to the beginning of chapter 5, ending at verse 2. So, I'm going to, poor Claire has to sit here through this. This is another story, although you should come out in a good light in this, okay? So, when we were first married, I had this jacket that I bought. I think before Claire and I were ever together, gosh, I love that jacket. I just thought it was the best thing in the world. And I thought when I put it on, I looked pretty good. Probably would never have told you that, but it did. It, it had a black cord on it. Please don't wince as I... Do you know, I was dancing and work the other day and my manager just, just went like this. Oh, for dear sake. 
So I was wearing this black jacket and it had a black cord and inside it had this beige kind of stripe. I loved that jacket. I'd, a what? It was brown? Um, safe to say that Claire didn't love the jacket. I didn't know that Claire didn't love the jacket. I wore the jacket lots. When we were going out somewhere special, I put that baby on. I thought I looked good and then probably went, why does it feel cold in here? What is that shrinking feeling inside? And then one day Claire said, do you know I hate that jacket? <laughs> Straight in there. What do you mean you hate the jacket? That's like my favorite jacket. I thought, I'm going to keep wearing that jacket. That's what I'm going to do. I wasn't actually wearing it at that point. It was still in, but she just decided at that point to comment that the jacket wasn't nice at all. It was hateful. So one day, I can't remember whether we'd have some sort of uh, little fuss between the two of us, or I just put the jacket on. I thought, I'm just going to wear this jacket. Just am. Just going to wear it. Don't care whether she likes it or not. I love this jacket. But two minutes later, I thought, never wearing that jacket ever again. And it was entered into the charity shop and actually looked for it several months later and then remembered that I'd got rid of it. Now, why could I not wear that jacket anymore? All the women are going, you know exactly why you couldn't wear that jacket anymore. She told you. you were, oh, she owned you. She had dominion over it. Yes, unfortunately, she did. I couldn't wear the jacket. This is where we'll go all lovey-dovey. I couldn't wear the jacket because the one I love most in this world said that she really didn't like it on me. And I reasoned that, you know, she looks at me from the out. You know, we all look at ourselves. We don't look at ourselves a lot. We're looking from outside in. Isn't that right? And at some point in your life, you're going to have to let somebody say, yeah, that looks good on you or that doesn't look good, even though you might think yourself you look fantastic. So inside my little immature man brain, I reasoned that this person who loved me most in the world, whose comment on my jacket must have been right, must have been right. And I could not wear that jacket anymore because I knew that it was making her go, mm-hmm. take the jacket off, Colin, just take it off, stupid boy. So I don't have the jacket anymore. So in this process of what we're going to be talking about, of putting off and putting on, we want to get the opinion of the one who loves us most, being God, as to what it is that we're wearing, as to whether it suits us or not as to whether it's something that we should be wearing, as it's something that's just tally and smells and it may be comfortable to us, but it stinks to high hell and it shouldn't be something that we put on anymore. So I fully expect and would encourage you to expect having those moments. It may be things that you thought were fine, things that you've done all your life that actually you just thought that's the way it is and the Spirit comes and says, you need to take that off. And at that point then we have the choice as to whether we decide to go, all right, you love me and you know me and this is better for me to have off than have on. But just expect those moments. I want to read through, I've kind of got a, quite, quite a bit of an outline as to the, the process that this is going to take us through. Um, we're going to, first of all, we have to, to be able to remove something, you've got to realize that you're wearing it. Isn't that right? You've got to realize what it is that you have on. And there's no use in keeping the clothes that you have on that you really need to get off you and just pulling on another, uh, like another sock on top of your boot that already has a stinking sock and really should come off. Do you remember the Friends episode where Joey decided to put on all of Chandler's clothes all at once and then started to lunge in them? And Chandler went, stop lunging in my clothes! Well, it can be a bit like this. We come to God and uh, we've got these difficulties in our lives and the Spirit's encouraging us to deal with that stuff. And we decide, oh, well, sure, I'll just put some kindness on over that. 
And everybody's going, but you're, but you're really mean. You need, surely you need to get the meanness off you. Get your, the attitude of your mind renewed and then pull on that kindness. So we need to be aware of what it is that we're actually wearing. If you know anything about God, he will point to a void and, an, and a, a lack that you have, not because he's mean and wants to expose you, but because he wants to fill it. So there's this part of this process as you all go, oh no, not again, where there's gonna, the light's going to come and we're going to realize what it is that we've been clothed in. Then we're going to have to remove that and then we're going to have to get ourselves redressed. So we then, once we realize what we are wearing, we want to remove what it is that we're wearing. Now the process, particularly in the winter, you know whenever you wake up, first you're thinking it's cold outside, I don't want to get out of bed. Then you've got to get yourself undressed and get showered and you're like, oh. And then if you could just fast forward to the bit where you're dressed, it would just be all that more comfortable. Well, in this part of the process, we've all got to get naked. Cannot believe I'm saying this at the front of the church. But we've got to strip ourselves back, get rid of the thing that we're wearing that's unhelpful and stand before uh, God as we are. This is a, a verse that you'll all be very familiar with. 2 Corinthians three thirteen to 16. And we are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites would not gaze at the end of the glory which was fading away. But... Their minds were hardened, for they'd lost the ability to understand. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed only in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil of blindness lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So we get a handle on what it is we're wearing. Then if it's an unhelpful thing, then we want to remove that. And then as we remove that, what we find is that we will be renewed in the spirit of our minds. There's no point in putting uh, something on that is fresh and new onto a body that really needs washed and needs cleaned. So we've got to identify what we're wearing. Then we want to remove what we're wearing. And as we remove and do that in the presence of the Lord, then the spirit of our mind gets renewed. Who we are underneath Romans 12, 2, this is like a life verse for me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then we redress spiritually with the appropriate clothes. So Romans 13, 14, rather than clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so let me go through that again. We need to realize what we're wearing. We're going to do a message on understanding what's in our old wardrobe and what our go-to garments are. I have this jumper, and I'm quite surprised. I've got, I've got for a long time without Claire having made some comment on it, but I could wear this jumper all week. I know gross it may be, but it's just my go-to comfy clothes. A pair of jeans, stick a jumper on, we're good to go. So we want to discover what our go-to garments are. When a situation happens, there's difficulty, somebody says something, you experience something, what is it that you go to? Is it rejection? Is it abandonment? Is it fear? Is it comparing yourself to other people? Is it thinking that you're awful? Is it intimidation? What's your go-to garment? Then we want to remove what we're wearing and we want to be as we are and who we are underneath it all in front of the Lord and as we do that, then we find transformation and the spirit of our minds is renewed. Then we redress spiritually with the appropriate clothes. We address the issue by redressing spiritually. 
And then the, the message title for that one's going to be What's Available to Wear in the New Nature Collection. So what is it? Do you see what I'm doing? Hey, I thought that was quite good. Oh, come on. Thank you, Russell. You appreciate that. So we want to know what it is that's available for us to put on. Because unless you've missed it, as what I was saying about Joshua was, this has got to require our participation and our intention. So we are the ones that are putting off, standing in front of the Lord as we are, and then putting on. Now, to be able to know what to take off, we've got to know what we're wearing. To be able to know what's available to put on, we need to know what's available to put on. So we're going to look at that too. It's a movement from false, the false comfort of the familiar through the discomfort of transition. Have you noticed that about any time there's change in your life? Just as, it's just difficult. Am I on my own with that? It's just tough. Whether it's coming back from being away on holiday, whether it's a big thing like moving house, moving jobs, uh, moving your children into different schools. Sometimes it can be the smallest things. There's an element of transition and, and there's difficulty. I have a friend in uh, Ghana in West Africa, Pastor Dave, and he, I was talking about a transition I was going through. He popped out this phrase, which I've been uh, sucking on ever since. Don't fear the battles that surround every transition. So every transition has its battles. Now, when we know that, then we can respond appropriately. So we move from the false comfort of the familiar through the discomfort of transition to being clothed in Christ. To being clothed in Christ. We can get stuck in this. Oh, he's going to tell me I have to give up something. Yes, I am. I'm going to do it too. We're going to have to go through the discomfort of transition. This is just bad news. Everybody told me this. Being a Christian would be good news. It's just been difficult. No, it's not always difficult. If you hold on, you will get through to the being clothed in Christ. And I guarantee you, it's going to be comfortable. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Will situations be perfect? No, they will not. But will you be more comfortable in who you are in Christ? You absolutely will. So you need to decide whether you want to make this journey. Romans 13, 14, let me read it again. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have got to be intentional. It's a process. It's a continual process. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the life of a disciple. Life is always learning. You just have to realize that you're being taught. This has got to move from a theoretical uh, teaching to practical application. And please, each week when we're talking, be thinking about how can I take what, what I'm talking about and apply it to my life? If it does not make that transition, what on earth are we doing here? John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he being, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my part is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And do you know when you're honest about the stuff that you struggle with, you say to somebody else, look, this is for you too. Because if we stand up here and go, my life's perfect, it's all beautiful. I don't struggle with anxiety. I don't compare myself to anybody. I don't have any lust. I have no pride. It's all absolutely beautiful. It's all about me. If I stand up here and go, do you know I've struggled with this? I don't struggle anymore because of him. I struggle with that. I'm working on that one at the minute. I nailed this one because he's strong in me there. 
then what I'm saying to you is you can do it too. So please, we want to be a transparent community. So be that. We do not need to be afraid about being uncovered because we are covered by what Jesus did for us. And please don't be afraid of conviction. This is Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? It is his kindness that brings us to the place where we go, I've got an issue here. Typically, people can point and accuse and say, you've got an issue there. You can hear the difference and the Lord will go very gently. Take a look at this with me. Do you see that? Oh, Oh, I do. I had, uh, Claire and I had an experience during the week um, and uh, it was with Isaac. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, but he just commented about something that needed to change. And he did it so kindly, didn't he? He did it with such respect, but there was real passion in it. And you could tell that God was all over it. You have your children come to you and say, Daddy, you need to maybe have a look at that. Oh, oh, goodness. And he's right. But he, he's kind. If you, if you met Isaac, he's kind. And God used a kind little boy to lead a man to repentance. So don't be afraid of this. God does these things to set us free. He doesn't delight in his children being exposed and pointed at. Look at the state of him. Look what he does. He's struggled with that forever. He comes along to say, son, I want you to be free. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And the other thing is, in this whole process, we won't be naked for long. We'll be clothed in the warmth of Jesus Christ. So can we be brave? Can we pull on our big boy and big girl pants? Stand in front of the Spirit of God and go, okay, bring it on. You love me anyway. You love me beyond what I understand what love even is. So if you're going to tell me that there are things I need to address, I'm going to address them. We cannot start where we're not. Now, what do I mean by that? This requires us to agree with the reality of where we are. So please don't step into this thinking, well, I'm just a worm and I'm awful and I'm a sinner and I'm always going to get it wrong. We want to make agreement with the truth. We are saints who sin. We get it wrong. We also don't want to be standing on the other end of the spectrum saying, I've got it all together. Life's pretty beautiful. It's all perfect and it's all wonderful. Let's just come as we are. There's going to be things that other people will struggle with and you won't. And there's going to be stuff that you struggle with and you probably expect that everybody else does and they don't. Come in the reality of where you are. Step into the truth of where you are and it is the the truth and the knowing the truth that sets you free. Don't fall into the trap of waiting. Don't buy the lie that says, you know, you need to be in a particular place to start this whole putting off and putting on. You know, you need to mature as a believer. Really? How do you think you mature? You mature by going, here I am. What do I need to put off? Okay, Lord, what needs to be renewed? Right, what do I need to put on? So don't buy the lie that this is for somebody else. This is in the by and by. The enemy would deceive you that you're not in the place to do this. Just, no, no, you're not. This isn't for you. This message series isn't for you. The best way to start something is to begin. You know the Nike swoosh? Just do it. Just make a start. Just start the process. And I want to get into the habit of uh, giving a little assignment or a little uh, bit of homework at the end and just a simple question that we want to be asking the Lord about throughout the week. Okay, that's the precursor bit. 
Let me read uh, this uh, chat, this section that we're going to be looking at over the next number of weeks. Ephesians 4, 17, and then to the beginning of chapter 5. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, including to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what I would encourage you to do with that is take that down and throughout your times with God throughout the week, just read through it. Just spend a bit of time in it. Eat what we're serving here. If you're stuck, if you're going through like a devotional series, then of course you're at your liberty to do that. But eat what we're serving here. So we're going to be looking at that. What I want you to notice just very briefly about this passage is throughout Scripture, we are told what to do and what not to do. And we're encouraged to remember both. It's a consistent principle in the Word of God. Genesis 2.9, And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired. Um, good for food. The tree of life was also in the center of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil of blessing and calamity. Their stupid tree, as Dennis calls it, the stupid tree. And then Genesis 2, 16 to 17, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and blessing and calamity you shall not eat, for in it and the day that you eat of it you will surely die. So we are told what we can do, we are told what we shouldn't do, and we need to remember both. God has hardwired our minds that we are to take instruction of what we should do and what we shouldn't do, and we need to remember both. It's a good one to use in parenting, or if you have any role of leadership, to be able to say, okay, I need you to do this. Don't do that, do this. Our minds are hardwired by God to listen in that way. So listen to our text that we're talking about, Ephesians 14, 17, and to the beginning of 5. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being uh, corrupted by its deceitful desires, 
to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self, be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self. And God will always give you a reason why you shouldn't do that. Sometimes he may say you need to stop that because you're not in the place to understand why. But more often than not, he will say you need to stop that because it's doing this to you and to those around you. So put off the old self, be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self. You can do this. Do you believe that? If you hear nothing else, you can do this. This is not about the spiritually elite the ones who stand up and have got it all together. And let me tell you, they never do. They may have some maturity, but they have not got it all together. You can do this. This is absolutely possible, but there's a very obvious way that this will never happen. And that's if you don't do it. There are still two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or as I affectionately now call the stupid tree. It will happen. You can change. You can do it because God says you can, and it is absolutely possible. The other tree says people don't change. It's too hard. You never change. You've tried it before. You've never changed in the past. We all are changing all the time, whether it's for good or for ill. We're all making a journey of one way or another. It's too hard. It's for them, it's not for me. Here's the reasons why you can't. But you don't, they don't understand what happened to you. They don't understand what you've experienced. You're a victim of your past. You're never going to get over it. Back off, sit down, and shut up. So what are you going to do? This is all about dominion. Do you just step back and go, well... I'm just closed as I'm closed, and I may be like this, but hey ho, Jesus loves me, and it's just the way I am. Or do we go, right, okay, Lord, there's a journey ahead. This is what it means to be a disciple. I'm going to start going, no, you sit down and you shut up and you get out of my space. That's not who I am. That's not who Jesus died for me to be. Your destiny lies beyond your strongholds. So lay hold of your dominion. Take your ground. This is the year of opportunity. Isn't that what we said? This is the year of reorientation. And this is the year of realignment. And Andrew said in his message that it's a year of opportunity that we have to catalambano, to go down and grab a hold of. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men and women take it by force. So this is an opportunity. This message series is an opportunity. And you have to decide whether you're going to go, I'm going to cut a lambano and grab a hold of this. I'm going to allow the Spirit to reorientate things in my life and bring realignment to me. And you'll like this story. This is all very banal. So last night, um, I was just going between prepping and just thinking about it. And I've got into the habit of, I, I don't mind putting the washing on and I'll fold the tumble dryer. Now, for years I tried to fold it. And Claire's comment would be, would you just give that to me? Which secretly is, you're absolutely rubbish at that. And please just let me do it because I can do it better than you. Well, life's busy and I thought this is something I can do. So I was folding the tumble dryer last night. I was thinking about the message and I thought... 
I'm not that bad at folding tumble drying anymore. I might get, I'm not there yet, love, but I'm getting better, aren't I? Like my towels leave something to be desired and sometimes shirts aren't that great, but I am getting there. And you're very welcome. It's tumble drying. How does that change anything? I hated doing the tumble drying. It was the one thing I could put a wash on, don't mind hoovering, don't mind doing all the other stuff, but I would have said tumble drying is not for me. But necessity required that I would do the blink and tumble drying, and now I found that I actually quite like doing it. Put on George Clark's Amazing Spaces in Georgia, and I get on great, and just to fold my tumble drying, and off we go. And I get to carry that beautifully folded, little nice, neat thing up the stairs and say, Love, I have created another lot of washing that is ready to be put away. It's just tumble drying, it's a principle. It's, I needed to do it. I'm learning to do it. I don't hate it anymore. The thing that I utterly despised actually isn't that bad, and I'm all right on it. Don't miss it. It's just, what is he talking about tumble drying for? I'm talking about absolutely everything. All of the stuff that is now familiar to us was once foreign. Whether it's walking, speaking, learning to feed yourself, ride a bike, swim, drive a car, do the job that you're doing, relate to people, learn to sing, play an instrument, get up at the front and speak, pray for people. Tuesday night, 7.30, 9.30, over there, you can see us there. Everything, we just need to do it. So can we just do this? Or are you going to stand and go, that's for somebody else? Well, you will eat the fruit of that lie if you believe that it's for somebody else because it will be for somebody else. Or you can step up and go, this is a year of opportunity. I need to take my dominion and I'm going to do this. Can I ask us to stand together? Guys, can I get you up? Change is slow, change is hard, but my goodness, change is worth it. Have any of you who have found and given Jesus your yeses, have you found some benefit in doing that? Has it been difficult? You know, that's a bit that shocks me. You know, I think I could say that from now until I'm dead from the front that this is difficult. And people go, oh, right enough. What is it in us that thinks that somehow if it's God, it should be easy? Have you read the Bible? Oh, my goodness. Difficulty, hardship, uh, stuff that happens, issues, fallen outs, brokenness, but wholeness, life in all its fullness. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. That's Zechariah 4.10. And Job 8.7, your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Look at the natural world. Trees grow, as Claire nearly wrecks herself. Alana nearly wrecks herself. Trees grow from little seeds. So even though I'm talking about tumble drying, this could change your life. Just because we said, all right, I'm going to take the seed. God delights in starting things from small and growing them. And finally, Galatians 6 verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Sound like a plan? So this week, your homework, if you choose to accept it, is ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that I'm wearing? Just load your question. He'll answer you, I guarantee you, at the most, what seems like the most inappropriate time. Have a pen and paper ready and write it down. Ask him, Holy Spirit, what am I wearing? Okay. So as always, we always speak on to response and I've got some questions uh, to help you to respond. Have you realized that you need to change? Are you sitting here thinking, I know that I need to deal with this. 
Have you agreed with the lie that change is impossible for you and it's for somebody else? And finally, are you in the place and ready to embrace the process of change? If you can answer yes to any of those, or if you just want ministry, please come and join me now at the front. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence among us today. We ask that you would increase here. We want to worship you. We know it takes you to worship you. We want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Will you come and increase your presence among us?